0: Good day and welcome to this podcast brought to you by the Chartered Banker Institutes. I'm Bill McCall. To those of you from our 30,000 members around the globe, thanks for listening. In our discussion today, we look at cryptocurrencies and their widening impact on global finance. With 12% of those under the age of 40 now holding some form of crypto assets, the estimated market size last year grew to $2.5 trillion. The exchange-traded fund, the ETF market, was recognised last year and has grown quickly. The competition to wallet crypto asset holdings continues, with some offering interest rates of 20% for deposits. Our guest today is Meryn Somerset-Webb, who will be known to many of you, particularly in the United Kingdom. You have more than certainly read Meryn's words as editor-in-chief of Money Week, and in her regular column in the Financial Times. Moreover, her recent book, Share Power, raises very pertinent points about share-owning democracies and the importance of shareholder participation, but more of that later. On top of that, Meryn is also a board member of a number of listed investment trusts, and she also joins this podcast from Edinburgh. Maren, good day to you. And without getting into the technicalities of blockchain and fiat money and the various rabbit holes, we could find ourselves going down. From your perspective, is crypto a giant Ponzi scheme or a laundromat for nefarious activity or is it a disruptive change for good agent or does it lie somewhere somewhere in between. I'm interested in your thoughts of where we are right now.
1: Well, it's really interesting the very way you've even phrased that question because, you know, there are effectively two Bitcoins, you know, there's the the currency of of criminal scammers, hackers, etc, which is an environmental nightmare because of the energy it takes to mine. Um, It's all about um, uh, Ponzi schemes. The only way it seems to go up is more and more people have to hold it and then it goes up, which of course is the, the classic characteristic of a Ponzi scheme. So there's, you know, bad Bitcoin. And then you've got good Bitcoin, which which is completely understandable. You know, this idea that we need a new financial system that the old one is a disaster, that fiat money is is obviously going to self-destruct over time, that government debt is out of control, that our government's also becoming more and more controlling of us in various ways. So we need a way to express our, our financial freedom in a different way. And we need a new model for property rights and cryptocurrency is exactly to answer to all those things. And do you know what, I agree with both of those. I agree with both of those, Uh, but right now, the second part, the good Bitcoin, is not really very well evidenced. It's possible, and you can feel that it could be possible, but right now you're not really seeing any evidence that that is the case. And if you look, for example, at uh, at Bitcoin, you can't really see that it has uh, any characteristics of something that might be a long-term stable store of value. I've written a lot about uh, the old gold and the new gold. Is cryptocurrency the new gold? Is Bitcoin the new gold? And the answer is very definitively, no, absolutely it's not. And we can see that from its stunning volatility over the last year. It was correlated to anything. It was correlated to high growth equities. And that's not helping anybody at the moment. It was a long-winded answer. to to a simple question but the answer is it's it's both i'd love it if i could say that i can see the way forward for it to be the second but i can't really at the moment
0: so Mm -hmm. before we go to the the good bitcoin as as, or good crypto as we've described it because there there's also the added complexity of layer upon layer and different branding and different types of coins Mm -hmm. and maybe a plea to the media to stop putting photographs of coins uh, when they they write and broadcast about <laughs> well, we
1: this. Oh, we, we have to put a picture of something right? we have to put yes. a picture of something when we write about cryptocurrencies, and if cryptocurrencies are non tangible, what are you going to put a picture of i mean there 's a limit to how many pictures we can put of you know shady criminal looking people playing around on computers and there 's a limit you know i don 't even know what a, what a what a crypto mine in Siberia looks like do you, so, you know, yes, so, well, well
0: actually well, I think we do um, the, the BBC ran a... A very interesting series of late, uh, showing what's going on uh, or was going on in China before it, it was outmoded there in terms of the mining. So dealing with that bad uh, cryptocurrency aspect, um, you know, small parts of uh, the eastern part of the world using the equivalent of the power of Austria to to mine and then sell the uh, the mined uh, commodities to the western world. All of that. Let's just focus on the, the bad coin aspect, that $2.5 trillion dollar size market. From where you sit, um, you've said that the good side of the equation needs a bit of positive PR and explanation.
1: No, is I didn't say it needed positive doing? PR. I said it needed positive evidence, which is completely uh-huh. different. No, well, <laughs> no, there's no, well, no shortage you. of people <laughs> attempting to give Bitcoin and other <laughs> cryptocurrencies <laughs> positive PR, but that's not what I'm after here. Oh,
0: thank you. Thank you for correcting uh, that dreadful assumption on, on my part. On the, on the bad side of the equation, though, is there real evidence there of wrongdoing? Uh, are we absolutely clear that that's the case from where you observed this?
1: Oh, I think so. I mean, one of the one of the very first uh, panels I ever ran on Bitcoin at the magazine, I think it was when I was doing a show at the Edinburgh Festival on this and I had a couple of uh, uh, cryptocurrency experts on and we had a conversation about which crypto would be lasting, which one we really wanted to hold if we wanted it to have some value in 10 years and it very quickly degenerated into a conversation about which crypto was most used by which group of criminals because that would be one, the one that would be most popular in a decade. So, you know, I mean, it's perfectly obvious if, if you have a... a a source of, I wasn't going to say a source of value, but I'm not going to say that, a method of exchange that sits outside government-sanctioned um, methods of exchanges, of course, is going to be used by criminal elements. So I don't want defame anybody, but definitely that's out there. And there are a lot, also an awful lot of groups that are doing stuff that you might not necessarily say is criminal, but is most certainly exploitative. Uh, you know, my, yes. special, my special area of focus is the retail investor and what is happening to the retail investor and how they are exploited by various organisations. I mean, the retail investor is used to being exploited, and that's what we're here for, right? We're here to, to be a, a source of cash for the financial industry. But at least, so, you know... Mm.
0: So do you fear then for the private investor um, at the moment? Is, is it rather like uh, open for business, the Wild West? And any unsuspecting individual might wander in there and be beaten over the head. Is is that the uh, is that the way you see it?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, we hear statistic after statistic about the number of young adults in particular who have become crypto, um, I would say, investors, or I would say speculators over the last couple <laughs> of years in particular. You know, Interactive Investor had a nice bit of research out saying that um, 45% of what they consider to be young adults between 18 and 29, 45% of who've made their first investment over the last couple of years have done so in crypto. And they consider that, or many people consider that when they do it, to be an investment on a par investing in the equity markets. And they also feel that it's got some kind of um, uh, moral or political overlay to it, that by buying crypto, they're buying something outside the system, that the young have found an asset class that is for them alone, In the way that, you know, you and I own houses, and they aren't able to own houses, or it should be, but they can't. What can they have that we can't have, and that we can't, don't understand, and that they can make a fortune from? And in many cases, they feel like that's crypto. And that's incredibly dangerous, you know, because we can tell these different stories about what Bitcoin is or crypto is about its good side and its bad side. But if you're an investor, none of this is relevant. We don't care about the stories. We shouldn't care about the stories of good and bad. What we should be asking is, Is there any potential for attractive return here? Can we evidence it? Can we value it? And if we can't do any of those things, can we at least prove and provide some kind of diversification from our other asset classes? Now, if you don't have any other asset classes, you're already in the wrong place. And if you can't evidence in any way uh, the idea of value, growing value and being able to forecast value, then this is not something that someone should have as their first ever investment. So So, I think there is a big problem there with a large number of people who are not involved in other markets being involved in this market and believing it to be somehow to be either equivalent or better as a market.
0: Yeah. So if you were a balanced portfolio investor, it's not the sole investment you would make first time out uh, for obvious reasons. No, I mean, just to be clear,
1: I I own a certain amount of crypto. I own several Hmm. different currencies. I mean, in very small amounts, very small amounts, uh, but I own it because it's kind of interesting. It's kind of fun. Um, mm. I like to be able to. Uh, I like my readers to know that I'm capable of going onto Coinbase and buying some stuff. By the way, I've lost. I've lost two loads of Bitcoin before I finally managed to do it properly on Coinbase. So I'm significantly poorer than I would be if I wasn't such a such an idiot when it comes to tech. And also because, of course, I could be completely wrong about crypto. All my yeah. worries about the currencies. Uh, all my all my sort of, you know, old person uh, concern and muttering could be completely wrong. So everyone who has a big balanced portfolio of some kind or another, makes sense to have a tiny bit. It's a hedge and it's interesting.
0: So the, the lack of being a store of value, uh, although the, the value is, uh, as you pointed out, volatile, as volatile as um, a highly volatile portfolio of, of high-risk equity investments, hmm. it's not a store of wealth uh, for, those, uh, for those reasons too, but could form a proportionate part of a well-balanced, well-diversified portfolio for the simple reason that it is there. Is that, is that fair?
1: Uh, I, uh, you, you're almost making it sound too sensible. Uh, in fact, you are making it sound too sensible, you know, let's say that you are a, a person who's thought carefully about their portfolio and has a nice balanced portfolio, but also has, a, you know, a bit to spare. And I think most of my readers anyway, they have the majority of their portfolio is terribly sensible. And then they have a bit of play money. Right was used to play around in in small caps that they wouldn't necessarily hold for the long term, and that's the money that I think my certainly my older readers might be putting into a little bit of crypto here and there, and uh, you know that's uh, perfectly fun and perfectly sensible in the same way as uh, all sorts of um, speculative investing is, but it's certainly not a core part of a balanced portfolio.
0: Yeah, so I mean the ETF point that I made in, in the uh, the introduction earlier, yeah. tended to legitimize, in, in inverted commas, for some people, I suspect. Um, it, given that this is a market that's hugely unregulated, really difficult to get into, you can make, as you've said, colossal mistakes on your computer mm-hmm. that you buy them and don't buy them, or you store them and lose them and all that sort of stuff. Um, how How does that get regulated the same as everything else, do you think? Or is that just, it's impossible and that's part of the
1: appeal? Um, well, people would like it to be impossible, but uh, you know of course yeah. one of the, the core cool things to say about all these cryptos is that to a large degree they're they 're part of the system already there's this idea that if you if you make money in crypto, you trade crypto you 're outside the system, but of course, in the u k are not you are not you still owe your taxes in sterling in exactly the same way as you would with anything else, and I think it comes as quite a shock when people who believe that by dabbling in crypto they 're outside government control that in fact they owe Uh, capital gains tax and if they trade a lot as your income tax as well so you know you're already in the system but I do think that there's a very good reason to do what the FCA is planning to do which is to strongly regulate any ads for crypto in the same way that we do other financial products, these ads have to be, what is it fair, clear and not misleading? Yeah. Now, this is really interesting because how on earth are you going to advertise uh, any kind of cryptocurrency and be clear, fair and not misleading when you're having to tell people it's got no yield, no fundamental value, no accepted valuation method, no way of forecasting value, etc. Nothing to hang your hat on. How do you make that fair, clear, not misleading and still even vaguely attractive, even vaguely attractive? Um, I think w- without
0: uh, with, without showing the photograph of a coin of course as well. quite 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 a challenge now in fact, let's cast our minds back um, without any uh, PTSD for those who were around at the time to the financial crash crisis mm-hmm. of 2007 eight nine when oh, banks okay. were offering uh, higher interest rates than norm mm-hmm. and uh, it seemed like too good of a, too much of a good thing. We now mm-hmm. have today, crypto wallet companies offering interest of 20-odd percent, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Do you see that as straws in the wind of a problem to come? Or is it there will likely be uh, underperforming players will be cleared out and those who can do it properly will remain just the same as every market tends to do?
1: Okay, let's get this straight. We have a, what we're talking about here is platforms. You can give them your money to buy crypto that you can see on a screen and they're going to pay you 20% interest on the current value of the number you can see on the screen when the prevailing interest rate in the deposit market is more like 1%, very often well below 1%. What does that sound like? (laughs) I mean, do I even need to answer this question? Haven't we been here before? (laughs) Give me your money and I'll give you 10, 20 times the return available on the market. And then let's play the game and see if you can get your money back.
0: Yeah, I understand age thing. And I, having been round the house, you haven't, of course, but I, I've been round the houses six or seven times. And uh, too good to be true uh, is always uh, translated for me uh, as that's awful. Uh, yeah. so, I mean, you know, we yeah. can even
1: think back as far as the Icelandic banks and the um, yes. uh, yeah. clever interest rates you were offered there. And even then we yeah. were only on what, seven and a half percent and interest rates yes. were higher at the time. So I think I think without us having to spell it out clear, too clearly, everyone knows that they shouldn't be giving their money to those plans.
0: So stepping back um, from the here and now, and the numbers, as you say, are stark for the, the younger investment group yeah. cohort, yeah. They, they are much more uh, invested in, in this, whereas the older age group, the numbers are really, well, if they are to be believed, and if you can, in fact, verify them, around 2 to 3% of the uh, over 40s have um, have it. So I'm probably in a minority of a minority of a minority even being interested in it. Um, that's all well for the here and now. If you look forward, what does the crystal ball say to you, um, recognizing that if it worked properly, you'd be doing something quite different? But I, I'm just interested in your take on where you think the broad direction of travel might be.
1: Mm-hmm. Is it
0: displacement? of a banking system, or is it uh, central banks deciding to do theirs uh, and legitimizing it? Or Where do you think the music is headed?
1: Well, I think that central banks doing theirs is definite. I mean, uh, every central bank is talking about it. It's on the way with every single central bank, and there are lots of dangers surrounding that in terms of our financial privacy and that kind of thing, but that that is definitely a go. For the private cryptocurrencies, I mean, I think... We should go back to what we were talking about earlier about the correlation between if to the extent that cryptocurrency uh, performance is correlated to anything is correlated to uh, very high growth equities and in particular to to US high growth equities. Now they, their performance have been symptomatic of a low inflation low interest rate environment now if we're moving into a higher inflation environment which i think perfectly obviously are and hence into a slightly higher interest rate environment the attractions of crypto wane at the same time those of high growth u.s stocks do so it may be that we begin to see over the next few years this period of, of, of obviously it's been very volatile but nonetheless if you were into crypto early you have of course made a fortune and well done you um, but we're moving into an environment where that's unlikely to keep happening unless there is some core strength in good Bitcoin we were talking about earlier that turns it into a standalone asset as opposed to simply a a low interest rate play.
0: And do you think then central banks moving in to legitimize, have their own, would lead to the the second group, let's call it the good coin, uh, becoming legitimate and effectively would run off and do its thing? In, in a conventional becomes, marketing sense,
1: yeah. I think it just becomes less interesting to everybody. Yeah. You know, I suspect yeah. that what you see is, is the gradual disappearance of private crypto. Obviously, I, I, I uh, caveat this by saying I could be completely wrong. You know, my own guess is that a lot of these private coins will, will disappear. And that we will have uh, the uh, the public coins central bank sponsored coins and really nothing else because once you move out of that at that as i say low interest rate uh, low inflation huge monetary stimulus environment they become worthless they become Less interesting as an investment if you can get a yield elsewhere. So all these dynamics that we're seeing in the equity market, I suspect, will translate across into the crypto market. And again, there is more regulation coming, much more regulation. You have know, regularly from various different countries saying they're going to ban various types of crypto. We've just discussed the coming regulation. Once you regulate something like this, a lot of this attraction disappears, right?
0: So let's look at the supply side then, because we've got this... Uh odd situation where algorithmic calculations are run on significant uh, mega computer power they use significant uh, grid power wherever they are in the world and there's evidence and news out there of all sorts of uh, power outages and various other things do you think that in itself um, given the ESG uh, agenda elsewhere is going to have people pause for thought or do you think the, the bad guys are just the bad guys and they'll do what they do
1: I'd say that this is one of those areas where people manage to have two thoughts in their head at one time. You know, people talk about crypto as being a as something that sits aside from all the bad stuff in, in our economies and all the bad stuff for money supply and provide a more equitable and fair world, etc. But the people who believe that are also unable to focus on the. Uh, Energy heavy energy use that, that Bitcoin mining provides, and so they don't. They think of it as an ESG asset in some way, in terms of thinking about possibly the um, maybe the G bit or the S bit, but certainly not the E bit. Um, but I, I think possibly that's by the by for the future of crypto. The, the real issue here is the regulatory side of what governments decide to do about it.
0: Now, in your current book, Share Power, um, mm. you talk about. Uh, the impact of ordinary shareholders, the small shareholders who seem to have lost their way in the last 20 odd years. Mm. I mean, I well remember attending as an analyst, AGMs where shareholders would harangue chairman from the floor and all of that sort of stuff. Um, you you talk, um, and it's it's a short book. So for those who, who want to read it, it, it doesn't take long. It's, it's got really interesting stuff. Uh, and Mary and I merely mentioned that because we've got an audience of bankers. Um, the... You talk about the biggest of the big fund managers, the Black Rocks and the others of the world. I just wonder if they see it And you know, you sit on the board of a couple of investment trusts, do they see crypto as something that they're going to end up integrating into balanced portfolios?
1: Um, I think the simple answer to that is no. I've n- never heard a conversation around that. Um, you know, I, I simply cannot see an ordinary investment trust or an ordinary uh, fund thinking for themselves, well, we need to we need to put a cryptocurrency in here. It's these. Visa- If you're investing for ordinary people, their pension money, et cetera, as discussed earlier, you need something that you can value, something that you can see providing you a a long-term value that you can forecast and that you can measure. And there is no crypto that fits any of those criteria. I mean, there was one fund in the UK, the Ruffer Investment Company, I think it was, who uh, bought a pile of Bitcoin and then sold out of it pretty quickly. And I suspect part of the selling out of it was to do with um, a, they made a reasonable amount of money quickly, but also to say, well, that was an interesting experiment, but is this really an appropriate asset for a fund like this? And the answer is probably no. So I don't think that you're going to see crypto being part of any of this type of investment fund, no. And yeah, only, it's
0: for, bit, uh, only for the enfant terrible of uh, electric vehicle markets and using excess cash, perhaps, in your portfolio. Yeah, perhaps, but I, 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 I digress. I digress. Meryn, um, thank you very much indeed. We're coming to the end of our time. Together in your book, Share Power, mm. you, you talk about the imports of all investors uh, through pension funds or whatever vehicle they may have. They may not think that they have share ownership of many of the, the, the companies. It leaves a lot of open uh, items, perhaps. So what's the next book that you're working on?
1: Oh, interesting, I'm not working on another book at the moment, this is, uh, this, is uh, this book is something I've been wanting to say for ages and I only got around to writing it because I found a publisher who'd let me write such a short book. Um, but it is, it's very important in reference to the whole crypto asset subject in that one of the things that people, younger people in particular who invest in crypto want to do is to take back some financial control, to feel that they have some control over their, their assets and their financial life. And one of the things I'm trying to say in this book is you have that already. You have it via the equity markets if only you can find out how to use that power. And you need to put pressure on the fund management industry to make them hand that power to you. So you can have power over real assets as opposed to imaginary assets. So that's important. Um, I'm really hoping that there won't be anything that comes up that is quite so important to me that I'm obliged to sit down and write another 40,000 words.
0: Well, we wish you well in uh, whatever you intend to do. Um, Thank you. To all of you uh, tuning in to this podcast from the Chartered Banker Institute, thank you very much. Indeed, to uh, our guest, Merrin Somerset Webb, for her time. And on behalf of all of you, we we send our our thanks to her. Um, This will be available uh, online for some time. And uh, in due course, you will be able to log listening to it with your CPD. Uh, So from all of us here and the arranging team at the Institute, to Emma and to Matthew. Thank you very much indeed. It's been a great pleasure to be with you today.